Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilley, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to find that in your copy of God's Word. Uh, we're just going to look at um, three verses tonight. Three verses. We're going to look at f- verse 5, 6, and 7. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we'll look at that in just a moment. Um, about 10 years ago, I lost a good bit of weight. I was at the, I, I think about, it was a little more than that, right? I was 2000, well, it was about 10 years ago, 2009. I was the heaviest I'd ever been, and, and still to this date, I'm not as heavy as I was back then. I lost a good bit of weight. And mostly where that came from was I was acting, I was, what, what was I, in my mid-30s at that point, something like that, or early 30s at that point, and acting like I was still 18 in terms of how I ate and drank and everything else I did. And so I just changed a few bad eating habits is what I did. That's all I did. Started running a little bit, tried to do that. And going from nothing, doing absolutely nothing, to just adding a few little changes in my, my diet and behavior, I dropped some weight. It was kind of interesting. Like, wow, this, this actually worked. Um, now, 10 years later, those habits that I introduced just aren't, uh, they, they just aren't having the same impact. Um, I, I need to lose some weight again. It's about that time. Um, part of it is I, I do, I, I've, I've gotten a little more serious with my, my running. I've enjoyed doing that. I like to go running a little bit farther and faster. I'd like to do that. And you can't go running with this thing that I got carrying around. You just, it just doesn't work. Uh, plus I'm older and some of y'all, not many of you, of course, but some of y'all know how that works. Uh, the older you get, your body just doesn't rebound in the exact same way that it used to do. Um, and so here's what I want. I don't know what y'all want when you, when you think about this sort of thing, but, but I'd like to have overnight success. I'd like to have just go to sleep tonight, wake up tomorrow, and it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. That's how I like it, don't y'all? That's how I want. I, I want to be able to run farther and faster because I like to run. Maybe y'all don't like to do that, but I like to do that. But I like to do it just on the weekends when I feel like it. Maybe on a Saturday morning, I ain't got anything else to do. Just pop up and just go run. But don't have to do anything else the rest of the week. I can sleep as late as I want to, do whatever I want to. I, I'd like to be thinner, but I really do like my Moose Tracks ice cream. So I, I think I'll just keep eating that and eating some cookies. I like to do that. And I sure would like to be a little less achy than I am, and, and I don't know all the science behind this, but I can tell you as much sugar as I eat in my diet, it's more sugar than a grown man should be eating. I can just tell you that right now. And I'm sure that that has something to do with some of these achy joints and stuff like that that go on. But you see, I, 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 want, I want that overnight success. I don't want to have to change anything. I want to be able to enjoy the things I like to enjoy as much as I like to enjoy them but I don't want the, to put the effort into it. Unfortunately, I think that's exactly how we approach growing as a Christian and living out our Christianity. We know that we're supposed to be different. In fact, go ask 
the average person in the world, on the street, at the workplace, at the, the shopping center, at the restaurant. Hey, what should Christians be? And they're going to tell you they should be less judgy, they should be more helpful, they should be less hateful, they should be full of love. I mean, they may not give you exactly those answers, but they're going to give you something like that. And you'd probably have, yeah, I should be different. I'm supposed to be different. I know I'm supposed to be different. The world knows I'm supposed to be different. Why aren't we? Why aren't we? Now, I, 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 well, I want to be nice and say I don't know about you, but as I think I told y'all Sunday, I, I know about y'all. That's part of the, the ups and downs of being a pastor. I, I know about y'all, and that's kind of why I'm preaching this to y'all. I, I want you to take this personally because I intend it personally. The same reason that we are not different as Christians is the same reason that I'm gaining weight despite my exercise goals. The reason that I'm achy and tired because I'm not willing to make the changes that are necessary. As Christians, we are not doing the basic things we're supposed to do to see the changes we're supposed to see. Going back to the passage I've asked you to turn to, I want to actually remind you of where we've been in 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 1, if you're a Christian, he says that you've obtained something. You've been granted. The, the, the word there means you've been given something. You've granted something. You've obtained something. You've, been, you've obtained something that's spectacular, something that's valuable. What does he call that? It is that, that like precious faith. And that faith, verse 2 says that you've got something, you, you get access to something, you've got the knowledge of Jesus. You really get to know Jesus. If you're a Christian, you really get to know him in a way that nobody else, I mean, you can read books about him and you can listen to sermons about him, but if you're a Christian, that faith lets you know Jesus. You get to see him in a way that nobody else in the world can unless they have faith. And because of that knowledge of Jesus, verses 3 and 4, you get access to the divine. And I know that sounds spooky, it may sound a little weird, but it's what it's talking about. You get access to the divine. You get access to God's power, you get access to his promises, you get to actually have access to his person. You get that. You can be, as he says in verse, uh, I think it's in verse uh, 3, where he says that he's given us everything that's necessary to pertains to life and godliness. You have everything you need to be exactly what God wants you to be as a Christian. Uh, that sounds like a pretty big investment that God has made in you. God is willing for, to do whatever it takes to give you everything you need so that you can be the Christian you're supposed to be. But here's the problem. We stop there. We stop. I've got faith. Woo! I'm saved. Yes! I get to know Jesus. Yay! I've got all the power of God. Great. Let's go to the house. We're done. That's not where Peter stops. Look at what he does here in this passage. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says in the verses we're going to read, he says you need to add to your faith a few things. Add this and add that. We'll look at those things. But you see what happens is we stop there and we get frustrated. By the way, that's the good reaction that we get frustrated. 
If you're actually at that point and you say, man, I don't, I don't see some change happening, I'm frustrated by that, that's a good reaction because that means you know there's a problem. Here's the, the worst reaction that some of us have is we're satisfied. We've done everything we can do. It's up to God now. It's all good. That's actually the worst reaction because there's so much more that you should be doing, yet we're expecting overnight success, and when we don't have it, we're like, eh, whatever, it's all good. But the Christian life is a, it's a marathon. It's a day-by-day, week-by-week exercise that gets rolling with small spirit-enabled. Let's don't forget that. It's the Holy Spirit that enables this, but it's small baby steps that get us there. That's what this passage is all about. All about. So look at what he says in verse 5. I told you to look at verse 5. First, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. So he says, and besides this, beside this, so all the things he said before, he says, in addition to that, giving all diligence, add to your faith. He says, your faith now needs to take some concrete form. It needs to take some shape. You need to do what James says in James chapter 2 and, and actually put some, put some work to your faith. Your faith needs to show up to work. It's got to do something. It's time to make an effort. That's why he says to give all diligence, to actually put, in, put some elbow grease into this thing. Get, it, get into it. It's time to do something. We're going to add to our faith. We're going to add something to it. Don't expect to go from zero to 100. And by the way, what do we mean as 100? Well, I've preached it before, and y'all know this automatically. What are Christians supposed to do? The one thing that everybody agrees Christians should do is supposed to love everybody. Well, what happens is, I don't love everybody. Why don't I love everybody? Because I haven't gone through these steps. By the way, if you want to look, at, look ahead, you'll look all the way to the end in verse 7. Do you know what the last thing that I'm going to add to this is? It's charity or love. That's what I add. But, but I can't jump to the end <laughs> the other other week has been, i was i did do some training for it but i didn't train nearly as good as i should have i did a half marathon trail run me and eli did that and a half marathon is 13 miles and i'd done some training to get to it but i wasn't quite prepared for that and i about died i about died oh my goodness it was the worst thing I, I swore I was gonna, if I'm going to do another one, I've got to train better, I've got to do better, I've got to lose some weight. Oh, that's, why, that's why this is on my mind. I've got to do something more. And that's what happens when we try to go straight from, well, I'm saved now, I'm supposed to love everybody, I'm almost going to love everybody. If you're going to try to love everybody, I'm going to tell you there's going to be some people that are going to be hard to love. There's going to be some people that are not going to be easy to love. And, and that doesn't mean we're not supposed to do it, but that means you need to go ahead and get your exercises in so that when you get to that point, you're ready to do it. You understand? That's what he's going to tell us here. So God has given us everything we need. We've said that in verse 3. So because of that, we're going to go ahead and start working. Use that power that God has given us to, to get to work. So he says in verse 5, we're going to add to our faith. What are we going to add to it? First thing, there's actually nine things in this passage. We'll go to those very briefly, but each one of those in turn I think is important to look at. He says, first you want to add to your faith virtue. Virtue. You want to know what virtue is? Well, look if you wouldn't mind with me to verse, um, verse 3. He says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It's the same word, it's the same meaning, it means the same thing. We've been called to follow after Christ. We've been called to reflect his glory, to reflect his virtue. We have been called to, as 1 Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, to be holy as God is holy. Another way to look at it, if you want to look over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, he says that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of God. Can I put it to you real simple? We're supposed to look like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. We've been called to do that. That's what he says in verse 3, to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to follow Jesus, to walk in his footsteps. So... I first need to start with faith, but I'm going to add to my faith an effort to be more like Jesus, to reflect Jesus in my life more and more and more. That's what this idea of virtue is. That's what I'm going to start with. I'm going to just live a life that I'm going to try to do the best I can with the power of the Holy Spirit. Understand this, we now have God's power. We're not doing this by ourselves, but I'm going to do the best I can to look at Jesus and follow after him. That's one of the reasons, by the way, I, I try to, as, as we've, we've tried to put little taglines and things on this, we, we say here at McConnell Road, we follow Jesus. I don't know if I've said that a lot lately, but that's on all the signage and stuff. We say, we follow Jesus. What are we talking about? We look at Jesus and we walk in his footsteps. We try to mimic him, if I can use that phrase. We walk after him. We're going to reflect him more. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing, he says, after you want to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, he says. Well, if I'm going to add virt to, to my, why would I add knowledge to my, to my virtue? Well, I, I want to reflect Christ, correct? But I want to reflect who he, how he is really, not how I think he is. There's too many of us who want to reflect Christ but it's the Christ we make up. In other words, Jesus somehow, it, it's like Shazam. He's just like I am. Well, no, he's not. How do I know what Jesus is like? I need to get some knowledge. I need to go into the book to understand who he really is. What does the Bible tell me about who Jesus is so that I can in my life reflect him more? So yes, I need to have that desire. I want to try to follow in his footsteps, so I'm going to add virtue. But then I need to, on top of that, so I need to add some knowledge to that so I know what I'm trying to do. So I need to, as 2 Timothy, as he writes in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, I'm going to study to show myself approved. I'm going to get into the word of God. And then he says in verse 6, we're going to add to our knowledge temperance temperance uh, a nice uh, uh another word you might use there just to understand that word temperance is just self-control it's just the idea of being tempered in in the way that you approach life and the fact is that living in this way y'all know it's not going to be easy right just go back to the exercise example you try to start doing some exercise and you haven't been doing any exercise, man, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you problems. You, you're going you're gonna to want to give up. Come back to walking like Christ. You look at Jesus, you want to be just like him. There's a desire in your heart. You want to add virtue. You've learned from the scripture more about what you want to do and you're trying to do that and it's going to be easy to be tempted by the devil to say, because you know what the devil's going to say? 
God won't mind if you do it this one time. It's okay if you're if you you, just, you can have a skip day, a cheat day. You you don't have to be all that good all the time. That's what the devil's going to tell you. Y'all y'all heard him say that, haven't you? He says that to me all the time. And, and what I need is to not use my liberty that I have in Christ as a reason to sin. This is what Paul writes in Galatians 5.13. Don't use my liberty as a reason to sin, but instead I need to use control, temperance, self-control to say, no devil, I'm going somewhere. I'm following Jesus. I'm in his footsteps. I've learned about him, and now you're coming at me and telling me I don't have to do it like that. I'm going to say, no devil, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to be tempered. I have the ability, I have the freedom not to sin. Romans chapter 6 talks about this in detail. I have the ability not to sin any longer. So that means I'm going to have to exercise those muscles of saying no to the devil. Goes on, he says in verse 6, add to the knowledge temperance and to temperance patience. Now, y'all know what patience is. It's that kind of thing where you, you don't have patience if everything's going well. You, it's not patience. Everything's going good, you do not have patience. You know when your patience shows up? If you have it, when you are being bombarded. That's when, if you are patient, that's when you can say, Man, she's a saint because she sure is patient. How do we know that? Because that woman's being bombarded from all sides and she's staying stay the course. So patience shows up whenever it gets really bad. So what I want to add to my temperance is actually patience because you know what's going to happen? That devil, when you say no to him, he doesn't say, well, you said no, I'm never coming back again. Again, I don't think that, at least that's not my experience. I hope I imagine that's not your experience. I hope it is your experience, but I don't think it is. I think the experience that we actually have is one where he comes back. But we need to have patience, knowing that we need to be steadfast, enduring. The best way I can describe this to you is just having courage under fire. My mind immediately, when I think about having courage under fire, comes to those men who were um, attacking those beaches there in Normandy. And they are coming on those boats. They, I, I, they were young men. I mean, I mean, like my son's age, if, if not younger in some cases, young men who just have been trained and they, they, they want to fight for their country, but they also want to live. And I can imagine there was probably fear in their heart and, and disturbance in their souls of what they were about to do. And then those boats land on the shore and that wall comes down and they're charging that and only a certain percentage of them even make it onto the beaches they're doing what they're doing but they are going forward I, I, there may have been I, i'm not aware of any stories of people that were turning and running of course i don't know where they would run to they'd be running right into the ocean there was nowhere to run so i mean that's called steadfast that's called courage under fire not saying that you're not afraid because I'm sure they were. They're young men. I'm sure they were. I'd be afraid. But they went into the lion's den. They went into those bullets of flying. Many of them went down. Probably saw men that they became friends with fall right beside of them. But they charged into the enemy's, enemy's guns. That's what patience looks like. 
You're going to continue to have courage under fire, knowing you're going to be tempted. But as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, God's going to give you a way to escape that temptation. Now, what is that way? I like the way James says it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, now again, is it done? No. You've got to keep submitting yourself to God and keep resisting the devil and submit and resist and submit and resist, submit and resist. That's called courage under fire. It's just going to keep happening. It's going to keep coming. They're not going to stop. But you know that the Lord has provided a way for you to escape. You're going to submit to God and you're going to flee from the devil. Now, go back to the passage. He says we're going to add to our, we're going to add knowledge, uh, temperance to our knowledge, patience to our temperance. And then we're going to add godliness to our patience. We're going to add godliness to our patience. Now, he's already told us that he's going to give us everything we need. Verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3 of this same chapter, same book. He said, I'm going to give you everything you need to be godly, to live a godly life. You've got everything you need. So what we're now adding to our life is we're not only going to be following in Christ's footsteps, virtue, we're going to be looking into his word to know exactly how to do that, knowledge. And then we're going to be tempered or self-controlled in all those circumstances. We're going to tell the devil no. And we're going to be patient. We're going to tell him no a thousand times. And then what we're going to say is, you know what? God's given me everything I need to live the kind of life I'm supposed to live. So I'm going to live that out as much as I can daily and have I'm going to give you a word here that we don't use a lot, but it's a Godward life. A Godward life. The best way I can describe what I'm trying to get at, the essence of this, is what is often referred to in the, the Proverbs as the fear of the Lord. This is a Godward life. I think I can explain it to you this way. If, I don't know, Matt Scott were to say, well, Preacher Tilly, I, I don't know if I really like where you're going this afternoon, going to that store. I don't want you to go to that store. I don't want you to go see those people. And I would say, well, thank you, Brother Scott. Appreciate your input on my life, but I'm going anyway. On the other hand, if Vanessa were to say, now, Matthew, I really don't want you to go to that store and see that person and do that thing. I'm going to at least, if I want to live with her much longer, I'm going to at least stop a second and give it a second thought, at the very least. Now, we might have an argument about it. I won't suggest we'll never have an argument about it, but if I care what she thinks about me, I'm going to give it a second thought. I will probably more likely than not err on the side of doing what she wants me to do. Again, some of y'all might be more stubborn than that, and sometimes I'm more stubborn than that, but the right way to deal with that is for me to say, that's what she wants. I'm going to at least listen to it and try to do what she's asking me to do. Do you understand what I'm getting at? When we fear God, when we have godliness, when we have a Godward life, we're actually going to say, what does God think about this? What does he think about this? Does he care what I'm doing? Does he like what I'm doing? Or is what I'm doing upsetting to him or offensive to him? We're actually going to care what God thinks about what we do. That's what we're talking about here. We're actually going to fear our Lord even more. He says then, on top of that, we're going to add to our godliness brotherly kindness in verse 7. And to godless, bro godliness brotherly kindness. 
brotherly kindness, it's just really that familial affection. You know the kind of, thick, uh, kind of affection you have for your family? Maybe, a, maybe a, especially as you're an adult, you've got a brother or sister that maybe you don't live near, maybe you stay in contact with them. You like them, they're your friends, you care about them, but you don't see them all the time. Do you know that, that feeling? They're, they're, you, know, you have warm feelings for them. And what I mean by that is you're not always going to agree with them. It depends on who they are. You might not even like them all that much. <laughs> Y'all don't have to say amen, but I'm just saying we know that's the case with some of our family, right? You don't have to like them all that much, but the reality is when they hurt, you hurt. When they're happy, you're happy. When things go good for them, you're excited for them. When things go bad for them, you're concerned for them. That's the way family affection works. I'm not saying you're best of friends. I'm not saying that you're buddy-buddy. I'm not saying that you really have warm places in your heart because sometimes when you go over to their house for Thanksgiving, you just as soon get on to the house. I know how that is. But you do have warmth in your heart. That's this kind of affection that he's talking about there. So in the Christian life, we're talking about the fact that we hurt when they hurt. We rejoice when they rejoice. We put others' needs before our own. And you can call it hypocrisy if you want to, but this is actually a biblical principle that we put others first. This is what we do in our families all the time, do we not? There are certain things you know that Uncle whoever, Uncle Joe, he doesn't like when you talk about this, so you what you're going to do? You're just not going to talk about it. Now, you like to talk about it. That's your thing, but you, you're going to defer to Uncle Joe. That's just what we do. That's what we do within the church family as well, in God's family. Ephesians 4 says we're kind one to another. We're tender-hearted. We forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. All right, so now we've built this foundation up, haven't we? You see what we've done? Now, now can, I, can I just stop before I go to the final, final step here? None of this is done overnight. None of this. You cannot go home this evening and say, well, I'm going to just do step one, step two. Step... You know what that's like? That's like the guy who joins a gym, pays the whatever $50 a month or whatever you pay for the gym, and goes in and uses all the machines for three hours. What is that going to do for you? It's going to give you a backache, Gonna throw you, throw your uh, tendons. You're gonna tear your tendons, and you're all kind. Of, you're gonna mess yourself up. What do you do? You go for 30 minutes the first day and try out a few things. Get you a regimen, and you go every day or every two or three days, and you you work that out, and you do that over time, right? This is the same thing with a Christian life. The exact same principle. You're going to add these things, and I think the order is important. You start with one, you add the next thing, you add the next thing, and this is something that you're going to do over the next couple of years, at least the next couple of months, you're going to take some time with this, and you're going to say, you're going to take some time in prayer and say, Lord, I want to add some virtue to my faith. I'm not following you like I need to. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm trying. Now help me to learn more about you, so I'm going to get into the Word. You see how that's going to work? We're going to take the time, and we're going to go through these steps one at a time. So that at the final, the culminating point of all this is, look at what he says there in verse 7, to our brotherly kindness we're going to add charity. That's pure godly love. You may have heard preachers talk about agape love. 
just that's that one of the Greek words for love in the New Testament. That is that kind of unselfish, sacrificial, giving kind of love. It's the kind of love that Jesus showed us on the cross. That's the sort of love we're talking about. Not the love of two teenagers who fall in, fall in love. I'll put quotes around that. I'm not talking about lust. I'm not talking about even family love, which we just talked about with brotherly kindness. We're talking about true sacrificial love. Herein is love, John writes in 1 John 4. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is the kind of love that's not natural to me. I don't have this kind of love. If I ever show this kind of love, do you know why? It's usually to my family, my wife, for example, because I get something out of her. I don't know if y'all have seen her lately, but she sure is pretty. I like my wife. She's mean, but she's pretty. But I get something out. Now, I'm just, I'm playing, but seriously, I get something out of her, right? I mean, that's, that's what you, you get something back. Jesus, now yes, I understand we are his treasures and we are his trophies, I get all of that, but he loved us when we were sinners. He loved us before we ever loved him. So the kind of love we're talking about, you don't give expecting something in return, you give it like the way Jesus did, absolutely for no reason other than you are loving, and I ain't loving like that. Jesus, on the other hand, is. But I want to add that to all of this string of biblical or Christian disciplines. I want to add that to this string of disciplines. I need to add that to it. So what is that? That's going to be something that's outside of myself. I need him to come in and give me that love. I need him to change the love of my heart. That's why when I go out and I look and say, you told me I'm supposed to love everybody, but do I have to love him or her? We always have some, don't, don't you? Every time I preach about y'all need to love people, I have the question in my mind, well, do I have to love that person like that? And some of y'all have even asked me that question. Well, what about this situation? Well, the Bible says, yeah, you do. But I'm not saying, nor does the scripture say, you love them with your love. This is something that the Lord has to give you on top of all of this. And I will argue that if you try to go from zero to love, you're going to pull something. You're going to strain something. You're going to be laid up with Advil is what's going to happen. You're going to need something. If you go from, I ain't doing anything, I'm not even reading my Bible, but I'm going to love everybody. You really love them, you're going to get hurt. And I mean that. You're really going to get hurt. You better put the discipline in to that place where God gives you love that you can love unconditionally the way he loves. So what do we do? We don't want to start with love much as we want to get there, we need to start with faith. Do you even know Jesus? And I know I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd, and I acknowledge what that means. Y'all are either crazy or you're saved, one of the two. Or maybe both, maybe both. But if you're not saved, you better start there. You need faith in Jesus Christ. It has to start there. And then once you know him, you need to, as he says in verse 5, give all diligence. Get at it and start adding to your faith. 
one at a time, a day at a time, powered by the Holy Spirit to, so you can begin reflecting Christ in your life, to seek Him to know Him more, to honor Him by resisting sin, to depend on Him for everything, to fear the Lord in every aspect of your life, and then to let Him shape your desires so that you will ultimately love the way He loves. I have met some people in my life, most of these people have been saved for a long time, been walking with the Lord for a very long time. And I can say without a doubt, man, those are some loving people. Best as I can tell from the reports that I've had, I think Pastor Wright was one of those people. That's what people, what people say about him. But that's a man who walked with the Lord for a very long time. There's a lot of us who want to think we are those kind of people, but we're like this fat boy standing up here talking to you that wants to run a marathon. You've got to lose some weight first. Sorry. You better cut back on some sugar. You better, better cut out some of the stuff in your diet. You see what I'm getting at? You've got to change some things. Then eventually y'all can get to that where you can love people like you're supposed to. But we're never going to see the change until we do with all diligence start adding to our faith. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.